1: Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Sarah Murphy of Mobile Bev Pros. So Sarah focused on assisting service-based businesses to build valuable, profitable, scalable, and sellable businesses. And how? By giving you everything you need to launch and scale a successful mobile bar. Sounds fantastic. Sarah, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. So for everyone out there, can you expand on that and tell us a little bit more about where you are with your business and who you serve?
2: Yeah, so I have been in the service-based industry for my entire life. And I opened up my own mobile bar back in 2016 and recognized that there was a huge gap in the market for niche information specifically related to what we do as a business model. I could find lots of things for caterers. I could find lots of things for restaurants. I could find lots of resources even for food trucks, but when it came to Hmm. doing beverages for events that weren't directly tied to just a basic bar, like a caterer would execute, there was very little. And so as I started building my own mobile bar, I started making resources available. I started offering coaching and consulting to other people. I built a community around mobile Bev pros and we ended up with just a fantastic organization full of really passionate people who turned to mobile Bev pros for resources, community information, mentoring. Um, And so, yeah, we started in 2017 and uh, it's 2020 now, so we've been 2022 now. So it, it, we've been doing it for about five years. And nice. uh, recently, we've just pivoted a little on the side uh, to start helping other service-based businesses do the same thing. Because what we do is not limited to serving beverages. Business coaching, in in a lot of ways, is uh, very translatable.
1: So what you've got is a, um, a system, a process, that you can wrap up and just tweak slightly. And then you've got a whole new industry, a whole new kind of product line, right?
2: Yeah, so I sold my mobile bar back in 2021 and it sold very quickly and it sold for way more than I had ever seen any other mobile bar company sell for. And when I was talking to my broker, uh, after the sale, he asked me, do you have anyone else who's selling a business like yours? Because I have a whole bunch of buyers that would be interested, mm-hmm. but they need to be sellable like yours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what that really means, but I can give you a whole bunch of names of people who've told me they were interested in selling. And I followed up with them later. And he's like, yeah, Sarah, he's like, unfortunately, none of these businesses really checked out as being sellable. And I really started to wonder like, what did I do that was sellable. And so Mm -hmm. I spent the next two years and over $50,000 in coaching and education to figure out and break down what the system of a sellable business is. And there was nothing out there specific to mobile bars. And what I realized was the process that I utilized to build my mobile bar. And I had a little bit of a leg up on most people that get into the service-based industry in that I had a master's degree from an Ivy League school in business management. And so it was not a you know problem or an issue or a challenge for me to know what the foundations of business were. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get into service-based businesses not because they understand business, but but they're passionate about what they're doing. They're like, I really want to serve, or I want to sell this thing, or I want to help people in this way. And then they then they have to deal with all the business stuff, but they almost it almost feels like arduous to them, like a totally different language. So my team and I created a very systematic process on how to assess, but then also how to help build or rehab businesses so that they can embody all of the six pillars, as we call them, of what it means to have a valuable business. Now, having a valuable business doesn't mean you have to sell it. You can keep a valuable business and make lots of money and they're usually very easy to run at that point, Mm -hmm. or you can sell it and it'll give you maximum value for what it is that you've invested time, money, sweat, tears, blood, <laughs> right? You all of that. Um, and we call it the pathway to pro and it kind of is a playoff mobile bev pros. We believe professional businesses are valuable businesses. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what we've, uh, created over the past year. And we just launched a group program for mobile bars specifically, uh, to implement this, this um, over the next. 12 months. And we've uh, filled 12 of the 15 seats. And so we're really excited to actually start implementing this with people in our niche.
1: Nice. So you sort did you come across this by accident, the way that you, you built your mobile bar and then sold it and then realized there's a system. I just don't know <laughs> what I did to make it.
2: Yeah, exactly that. Um, he had asked us a variety of questions when we were selling it and he's like, oh great, this'll be no problem. And I was like, really? Uh, is there usually a problem? He's like, actually we turn away a lot of businesses. And what I found in my research over the past two years is that, well, first of all, I think it's important to note every business ends in one of three ways. It's either sold, it's closed down, or it's passed on. So are the only three ways that any business ends. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like what you, everybody dies, right? Like every business has either a transition or an ending. Eventually, maybe not today, maybe not 10 years from now, but eventually. And of the people who want to sell their business, which is most most business owners, only 20% of them will successfully sell. The other 80% of businesses either get sold for parts, closed down, which is devastating when you think about the fact that with entrepreneurs, about 80 to 90%, depending on who you ask, of their their wealth is locked up and tied up in their business. (laughs) That's that's a really scary uh, thought. And so the concept of actually building your business in a way that embodies the six pillars, which are uh, visible, profitable, Mm -hmm. legal, scalable, reputable, and technological if your business can master all six of those pillars, not only will it sell pretty easily, but it'll also sell for max value.
1: Perfect. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. So when people come through and they, they're in, they're like, yes, this is what I want to do. And you have actually mapped out the path for them. You know, I guess a lot of people may come into a business thinking selling it is the furthest thing from their mind. They want to you know, launch their passion project. They want to serve people. They want to change the world with whatever that means. Maybe even leave a legacy. I think selling, um, and certainly when I started my businesses, didn't even cross my mind. So, yeah. how much of that is a actual um, a learning curve you take people on versus something that they come to you for?
2: I think a lot of times people recognize that their business isn't sellable because something happens to trigger the realization that they need to step back from their business. And that could be a health issue. It could be a life-changing experience. It could be a new opportunity. In In the US right now, we're seeing an explosion of baby boomers who have built very successful businesses over the past 20, 30, 40 years. They're ready to retire. They've put no thought into what their exit strategy is. And so now they're scrambling to figure out what they're gonna do because they've always, not everybody, this is an overgeneralization, but a good portion of Mm. people in this demographic assumed that their business was a bit of their retirement plan. And when it comes time to sell, they haven't mastered the six pillars. Maybe they've mastered one or two and they just can't get what they want out of it. They're thinking my business is worth $2 million. And then they get it evaluated and put on the market and there's no bites and they have to continue to work it. They have to continue sitting on it, just waiting for someone to give them what they think or know inside, like what it could be worth. And mm-hmm. that's just a really frustrating reality for a lot of people, but it's especially worse if it's like a health related problem and you've got to get out. Like you, And those are the people that are usually pushed to shut it down. I had this conversation with an entrepreneur not too long ago. And he had built a multi six figure business. It was a cleaning business. And he had five or six contracted clients that were paying him upwards of $40,000 a month in revenue. And he got burnt out and he's like, I just closed it down because I didn't, I didn't like no. who would want to buy this. I'm like, of people would want to buy it. You did all the hard part. You had the clients, you had the staff, you had the processes. Um, and so that reality is out there, is that there's lots of, there's people that do buy businesses. Um, anyone who's been an entrepreneur knows how hard the first three years are.
0: Mm.
2: And so it, people there are people out there that love buying businesses that have surpassed those first, you know, years of scaling and uh, becoming, you know, or
1: heartache and questioning and all the stuff that comes through right
2: right exactly that
1: all right well let's talk about those those first few years because um you've obviously been through them and now you get to guide an awful lot of people through that with their passion projects their side hustles or their new their new business so you have the pillars you have the framework you have the logical set up the pathway in front of them perfect the one thing the variable is the person the one variable is their experience their mind their emotions how do you how do you guide people along that journey with the, the the human aspects
0: i love this
2: question it's probably one of the more unique things about my team our team is is pretty tight we have three people but one the one of the people on my team her title is the chief alchemist. That's literally her title. Mm-hmm. She's master at energetics. And she's, the, she's so wonderfully powerful at sitting with you and being a mirror when you're in shadow and when you are your own barrier and when you're saying words that have no reality in real life, but only to yourself mm-hmm. and that kind of coaching you through that. She does it with me. I've learned to do it for her and we do it for our clients. We have a a done for you implementation client right now who's um, in the catering space. So not, not the beverage space. And we're starting, we're doing their entire new business. So branding, marketing plan, website, Mm -hmm. all the goods. And part of that is like getting the vision from people. And she has had multiple successful businesses over her career. And she has a successful business right now. And in that conversation, I would ask her, well, you know, what lights you up? What makes you happy? Where do you like spending your time? And she would start saying, "Uh, well, I like this, but I've always done it this way because that's what other people want. That's what other people like. That's what other Mm. people, I think other people want. And it was like, so exciting for us. I mean, she's a a very successful uh, business owner for us to be like, no, no, no. This business is being born from your genius. And so we don't want to hear about any of that, what you've done in the past, because you think other people want it. We might, we, you are birthing this. Let's, what do you, what colors do you like? What fonts do you like? What phrases do you like? What words draw your attention? What pictures do you like? And that was a real shift for her. Cause she like, at one point literally was like, I've I've never thought about what I wanted. I've always thought about what other people. And I said, well, by you being your authentic self and doing the things that you like, you are going to increase the possibility of your ideal client, which is always the highest version of yourself, wanting to work with you because they also like those things. And you spend the most time of anybody with yourself. So, wouldn't you want to work with people that are like yourself? And so, if you put yourself out there, you're going to resonate with the people that like the things that you do, that are, you know, want the products and the services that you're offering. And that was a real mind shift for her. Um, and so, that's really fun to be able to work with people and like work through kind of some of the lies they've been telling themselves sometimes for their entire career.
1: Oh, beautifully put. So, when you do. Behind these these new clients, whether it's, it's it's coaching business, what are the what are the beliefs that come through that you'd like to squash? What what kind of frustrates you that you see time and time again that um, you want to to change?
2: Oh, I guess. Well, first I'll preface this by saying it's my belief that entrepreneurship entrepreneurship is the very best personal development journey possible when you start a business you are projecting a part of yourself outside of yourself you're Mm -hmm. literally creating an entity outside of yourself the entity has a name it has a logo it has a brand identity but it is a reflection of you and so oftentimes when we're working with a business owner on their business we're actually working on themselves but we're, it's almost like a voodoo doll. If you want to think of it that way, we talk mm. about the business. We're looking at the systems of the business, but if you, if you show me your business, I could show, I can tell so much more about you because the, the, the weaknesses in your business are your weaknesses. The strengths in your businesses are your strengths. The insecurities in your businesses are your insecurities. And so it's almost like therapy, but through business, you know what I mean? Like, well, let's Talk about your business. And so when I see a business that has a profitability issue, uh, you probably have issues with money. You personally, you probably don't know how to create a budget for even your own. If your business has money issues, you probably have money issues, right? Um, If you're not marketing very strong and you don't show up a whole lot, you're probably scared to show up in real life. You're very insecure. You probably don't speak up when you have something to say, you're probably a little scared of what people will think of you. Um, So one of the things that we work with, and I tend to work with a lot of female entrepreneurs, um, our parent company's name is Audacious Innovations. And that's because one of the things we work on a lot, especially with our female clients, is to be more audacious. Like you're allowed to be full and expansive, take up space your voice. You started this business because you're passionate about it. You really believe in it. And then we just tiptoe around, you know, sales because it feels yucky. And it's like, you're serving, not selling. And so why wouldn't you want them to know what you have to offer and what, you know, what the price is and what all the value is, like be loud about it. And so I think if I was to pick one thing specifically with the, the clientele and the demographic that I often work with, it's be as audacious as possible because no one's going to book you if they don't know you exist. And also being quiet and humble isn't a service to your clients and it isn't a service to your business. And therefore it isn't a service to yourself. So be big.
1: Perfect. Love that. And do you find that you're, when you're working on the business, you have your clients grow and evolve themselves or is it Working on themselves, on their beliefs, on that. And then by association, their business starts to flourish. Which way around is it for you?
2: In my opinion, there's no difference. Some people that we work with are much more reflective. And so they're willing to look at, oh yeah, that's a that's a thing that I do. Or Mm -hmm. my Teachers used to always tell me to sit down and shut up. And so now I'm kind of scared to put myself out there and speak out of turn. Yeah, And then there are some that don't want to look at any of that personal stuff. They just want to use the business as kind of like a proxy, but the work gets done. The personal mm-hmm. work gets done anyways. It would happen a whole lot faster if you were to look at it from a personal perspective. But sometimes we don't have that option. Sometimes they just want to work on the business and that's okay too.
1: So. You're a bit sort of sneaky sneaky you know what you're doing you know what's going to happen but some people some just don't want to hear it can't hear it but you find your way and you know where they're going and you know the end result for the business and for themselves
2: yeah and i wouldn't think it's sneaky it's um as above so below you know it sometimes we're working we're working energetic business is energy so we're working with the energetics Wherever it is, if it's you know an internal energetic, if it's your business energetic, we don't care where we work on it, we Hmm. know that it's through eventually. It's just where are they going to let us in?
1: Yeah, but you have to find so sneaky is a good way of you know what you're doing, you know exactly how to do it, you know it's going to find the right way to improve and get ultimately the result they've come to you for.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely
1: beautiful. So let's look at your business right now. All of us have challenges when we first start we have challenges as we grow these challenges don't go away they evolve they become bigger they become they become sneaky they show up with the same problem but just a little bit difference um so what are you focusing on now with your business and of course now we know in yourself what are you evolving right now what's your focus on
0: yeah
2: uh my team and i refer to this as new level new devil and you know the There's never a lack of work to be done, you know, energetically Mm -hmm. or otherwise. And so as you tackle what past you thought was untackleable, um, you'll find that there's yet something else to be, to be working on and working through. Um, and so for my company, we have just exited a year wherein we leveraged our business like crazy, brought on, you know, the team that we have now, a marketing team, a VA team, a sales team, and that's really enabled me to remain in my zone of genius. And so right now, the challenge that the business is having or experiencing is removing Sarah from the things that don't require her, Mm -hmm. but People always relied on me for, or that I really like to put my fingers in. Um, and and doing less of that so that I can really stay in the space of content creation, education. Um, I'm very good at taking complex systems. Or massive amounts of information and distilling it down into processes that can be scalable and repeatable. Um, and well, that's we- the very
1: essence of your of your business. That's the very essence of everything that you've created, right?
2: Yes, yes. And so, um, and it's been through all the personal development work and working with coaches that have really enabled me to identify that. And, and one of the things that I reflect on relatively recently is that. Life is a personal development experience, right? Where we're just trying to figure: what am I purpose? What am I good at? Who am I? What? Why am I here? How can I add the most value to the world? And it's hard when you're young and you're like, I don't know. There's, I could do anything, right? Like literally anything I could. Mm-hmm a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer, a ballerina, like whatever it is, there's so many options. And then the process of life, we get all these experiences wherein we get to say, liked that, hated that, good at this, not very good at that. And I think we spend a lot of time in our heads where we're like, I got to get better at this. I recently have started taking the uh, approach where I don't have to get better at anything. I can really stay in my zone of genius and just do more of that because we can all be generalists or we can be specialists. And the past few years have really shown me that if I really lean into what my unique genius is, the whole world benefits more for it. So yes, my zone of genius is taking complex systems. I read all the time. I'm pulling things from different industries and I'm distilling them down into processes and systems that people can easily plug themselves into. And as a result, I'm more impactful that way. And so that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning towards in the future is, staying in my zone of genius, and then also allowing my team to stay in their zone of genius, which is why we have so many contractors, because I could hire one VA and then they'd be really strong in one thing and not very strong in other things, but I've hired a team of them. This mm-hmm. person's really good at this. This one's person's really good at this. And so everyone gets to stay in their zone of genius and our business becomes stronger and faster and, and thrives more. And all of our clients do the same because when they, you know, I don't do, you know, logo design but because i have a team and one of their skill sets has logo design then my clients benefit from that as well so
1: beautiful it's a it's an evolving ecosystem always they have to be all working together um what's been your biggest challenge with, with teams have you have you struggled to find team members does some not quite work um, Surely you've you've gone through a process of of going through ups and downs and and sort of roller coasters of hiring and firing, right?
2: Yeah, the secret that I've learned when hiring people is to really delve into their zone of genius—not who you want them to be, not who they are telling mm-hmm. you they are—and we use a variety of different assessments for this. I love the DISC profile. Um, uh-huh. There's the uh, one of our team members really loves the Enneagram. I'm not as familiar with that one, but sure. we've all done the Enneagram exam. Um, Strengths finders is another good one. And we, we have just a whole bunch of different things that we look for. And when we create a job description, we're very specific as to where they should be in order to succeed in that space. Nice. Um, because if you are asking someone who's really creative to do detail work regularly, that's not a justice to you or them. And so being very clear as to what the position is and what it requires, and then being very clear as to the, the person that will be a good fit for that, and then hiring for all of the above, not just, you know, oh, they've got the right schooling, they've mm. got the right resume. Um, it's, it's much deeper than that.
1: So what I'm hearing with this, um, everything you've been saying so far, it is zone of genius it is understand where your strengths are and also understand where your weaknesses are and either seek help seek advice or don't do it get someone else oh. in to, yeah. to do it um what advice would you give to people who are because most people start out as entrepreneurs they're they're on their own ah oh, our clients so many feel like they're on their own and once they have the support network around them and the processes in place things change so much so people just starting out you've built the, the the dream scenario of how to stay in your zone but it's tough to find those people to start with so that is it a gentle increment is it no you go in and you hire straight away what's your what's your advice
2: there's two ways um we call this uh well, you can alchemize this in two ways, gently or violently. And the violent way of doing that is to just pick it and go, cut off everything else and just do the thing, right? And so for me, what that would, that, what an example of what that would look like is for if you're a solopreneur and you are really overwhelmed, you're, you're probably trying to go too wide and you need to go deep. And mm-hmm. so all the things that you're doing, what's the most profitable, what's the most in demand? And let's just figure out what that, one thing is, and go all in on that. That's the violent way. Saying like, I used to do all of these things. Now I'm just doing this because this is what I'm really good at, and this is what I want people to know me for, and this is what I want to make the space for. Oh, sorry, I- just,
1: just holding that. There's there's two ways of looking at that because there is obviously the the product, the service that you do to focus in, to niche down, to really understand that, and there's also the jobs, the responsibilities, the roles within a company right? There's, there's there's, there's sort of two angles that we can be talking about.
2: Well, sure. But if, um, and and this might be what you're saying, Um, if you can really get clear as to what the one thing is, a lot of the systems also simplify because instead of, so for example, I have like five different lead funnels and all of them have a, a, a bunch of different things that happen on the back end with like mm-hmm. active campaign. And you yourself, even I, I signed up here and I had triggers everywhere. I had texts coming in. Like all of that is like, you know, stuff. And then there's marketing and then there's sales and there's like boom, boom, right. The wider you go, the more there are more things there are to do, the deeper you go, the more streamlined you can be. So for example, if you're streamlining and you've picked one service and that service identifies more with an ideal client or product mm-hmm. that is primarily on Instagram. Then forget Pinterest, forget TikTok, forget Facebook. Go all in and own Instagram, right? And so, like when you go wide, you're you're you have to do more things. Mm-hmm. Whereas if deep, you, you can streamline things. And so that's one option. And the other. If you've already gone wide and you refuse to go deep and you, you know, but then you have to piecemeal things out. And so I try and tell people, you don't need to make a hire, a, like a full-time hire. You can hire someone for a couple of hours, just start with a little bit of something. And then as you know, the a, a hire should pay for themselves. So it shouldn't be something that you're like, oh, I can't afford it right now. If you can't afford it right now, then your pricing is probably probably out of alignment um, because you haven't factored in the fact that you shouldn't be the one doing all the work in your pricing. Your pricing oh, shop.
1: I afford- love the way your voice changed there. It was brutal, but it's so clear you shouldn't be the one doing this. I, <laughs> I love that. About- Thank you.
2: Yeah, I talk about this a lot. A lot of solopreneurs, when they do their pricing, they'll even tell you, "Oh, well, I'm do- I do that. It's already factored hmm. into the price." I'm sorry. What? Are you, are you wearing your CEO hat right now? Because a CEO doesn't write off their own labor. They have to pay themselves. And so when you price out a product or a service, it should always be assumed that someone else is doing the work. If it's you, then you get the money. Great. If it's not, then when it comes time to hiring someone, you've already got the money built in. And so that's, that's my thought there. If you want to go wide, totally fine start off small pieces uh uh, delegate one thing eliminate one thing um it's just i kind of like violent alchemy personally because once i decide something i just go all. um but i understand that not everybody likes that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah why not why do that when you can procrastinate a little bit longer think about it overthink it right
2: right like what else would i be stressing out about if i just didn't think
1: Love that. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. This has been such a wonderful conversation and so many cool nuggets in there. Thank you.
2: Awesome. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. Obviously, I'm very passionate about this so I could talk about it for hours and hours and hours. Um, but I appreciate the time that you've given me to kind of share my zone of genius and to have you know a great conversation with you.
1: And to have your your brutal advice, which has been so <laughs> fun. So I love it. Um, if people want to learn more about you and what you do, where can they find you?
2: Yeah, the best place right now is to get uh, on our website, mobilebevprose.com, and that's B-E-V as in Victor, pros, um, it's short for beverage, or um, you can hit us up at audaciousinnovations.com. And that is kind of our parent company where we do non-mobile bar specific uh, c- coaching and consulting.
1: Sounds cool. Sarah, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, bye.